0: If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321. Give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast.
1: My name is Marlon Neighbor, and I am our Connections Pastor here at Humanity Church. How are you guys doing so far? Yeah? That was some rockin' worship. I broke a sweat. Uh, I know on this Mother's Day, I know Nathan acknowledged it earlier, my husband, when he was up here, Uh, but I know that people are all over the map on Mother's Day. I know it comes with a mixed bag of feelings. Some of you are all about it, and some of you, this is not such an easy day. So I just acknowledge that, and uh, I think God has something for all of us, regardless of what space you're in with that. We, uh, We were in the middle of a sex talk. And we put a pause on that today. We were doing a whole series called uh, Topics You Do Not Have at the Dinner Table. And we got through the money part and then we hopped into the sex part. Nathan started that one last week. And then I argued, I'm like, hey, not all mothers, but most mothers, they have had sex, right? But sorry to disappoint you, I was vetoed. They're waiting on the sex talk till next week. So you have to come back for that one. Uh, I don't know, for those of you who are moms in the room, what your experience with Mother's Day has been over the years. Uh, last year, my then five-year-old, he, uh, he came to me on Mother's Day morning, and he was like, um, you know that one time when he told me, no, I would love to do things for you, it brings you joy, it brings me joy, I am going to let you serve me all day on Mother's Day, <laughs> and This year, he offered me uh, a kiss, a card, and I think about a 30-second massage. And so we were making progress in the neighbor household for the one female in the house. (laughs) Let's go ahead and pray for our conversation today. God, I thank you that you are alive and active and moving and you are speaking today. Doesn't matter who we are, where we've come from, what headspace we're in, you are ready to speak to the best parts of us. And all of us who are in this room, listening to this conversation, God, I pray that we would come alive today with the sound of your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Another mom told me recently, she said, the days are long but the years are short. I thought, you know, that's so true. Time is, time is such a weird thing, isn't it, sometimes? I mean, I, most days I don't go through life contemplating eternity or, you know, how my days are going to go or how much time I have left on this earth, probably because on some level deep down, I think I'm probably going to live forever. <laughs> but there are other moments where I feel this Pressing, deep-seated urgency to make life count for the time that I do have. And most people, when considering our mortality, have a longing inside of them that they can't quite put into words, to leave a mark, to make a difference, to be remembered, to actually make our time matter. There was a, a friend of a friend that I heard about who decided to do what was called a memorial for the living for his parents have you heard about this people come together as if they were at a funeral but the people are alive and they're sitting in the front of the room and then they just you know speak to all the best parts of them I I mean I don't I don't know why we wait until a funeral to speak into the best parts of people in our lives but it might have something to do with the conversation that we started next last week that Nathan was talking about when it comes to intimacy and our deep desire for it, but our knee-jerk terror in response to it in its purest form. I mean, think about it for a moment. Just think about this. When was the last time that you looked into someone's eyes and I mean really looked into someone's eyes and spoke to the best parts of who you see in them. Can you think of it? Has it been a while? Has it been a long while? You know, I realize sometimes giving feedback for me in terms of things that are missing or not working is more comfortable for me than actually peering into someone's soul and having the guts to actually say what I see in them. And, you know, not all, not all moms, I know, but moms in general, mom figures, there is something about them that just has this ability to speak into that encouragement thing. You know, they see something in their kid that maybe no one else sees or no one else speaks to. And people are starving to be seen. Most people, if you put them on the spot, they wouldn't even be able to tell you what the best parts of them are because they need someone to highlight it, to see it, to speak it, for it to feel like it's actually real inside of them. I mean, think about the most influential people that helped shape you. What did they see in you? What did they say to you? Did you have someone that did that? Do you need someone to do that? Our minds, our lives, our futures are shaped by the voices that we decide to listen to about who we are. And in the best cases, we are formed by those who dared to take the time to actually say out loud the things that they notice. So why is it that that truly thoughtful, intimate, personal exchange is so rare? I mean, most of us don't not want to be that person. We want to see the best in someone, but our our minds are so occupied Have you noticed how occupied our thoughts are? They are filled to the brim. From the moment we wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off. What do I got to do? What do I got to wear? How am I going to get some food in? What is the deal with this freaking traffic? And what is wrong with that guy who just pulled in front of me? Oh, there's that so-and-so at work two minutes late as usual. You know, let me catch up on the work gossip. What's the projects I need to get done today? Who's that birthday that's coming that I have to buy a gift for? Oh, I need to reschedule that doctor's appointment. Shoot all these things all day long like going through our minds non-stop internal conversations and who are the vast majority of conversations about ourselves ourselves we spend the majority of our time and our energy and our focus thinking about ourselves because look at this even if you are doing something for others. And I know y'all do stuff. I know you're doing stuff for the kids and the family and you're working hard and all these things. But even in the middle of the giving, how many of us are still thinking about ourselves even in the giving? I mean, it is, it is pervasive, let alone to prioritize taking a moment, pausing, deciding to care, And looking over at the person in front of you. And saying this is what I see in you. And this is what's possible for your future. Others. There's a whole world of others out there. They're all around us. There's others. There are others. And they exist. And we are not the center of our universe. Well we are. But that's the problem. Because before you know it. Before you know it you're at another funeral, and you know, you're thinking about the person who's gone, but you're also thinking about yourself. What would my story be? What would they say about me? I've had the extreme privilege of having many people in my life who have spoken into me and shaped me and formed me several of them in this room my mom is number one I gotta give kudos to my mom love you mom see you love you you know how it is though it's like you know even if your mom didn't do this you're like well you were supposed to do this because you're like moms are supposed to see the best in us you know and it's still it still very much shapes us but I have two that stand out and one was at my worst moment One was at my best moment, when somebody spoke into my life. And there was a moment uh, where, some of you know, I was a handful of hours away from graduating my first university, and I failed out. I failed out because I was too busy doing mission ministry and not doing my math homework, and I thought it would all work out, and here I found myself failed. I failed. I got kicked out of the university. And I'm sitting across the table from another woman who love dearly, respect. And uh, she worked in China, had a company out there. and, And that was, I was convinced, that was my destiny. That's what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to work at her company. And I love this lady. And she looks at me, we sit down, and I tell her what happened. And the look on her face, it wasn't shame. It wasn't condemnation. It was just pure disbelief because she was like wow Marla I see so much in you I know that you are capable of so much more than this and she was disappointed but she wasn't disappointed in a bad way it was like she wanted something for me that she knew that I could be and in that moment the even in the hard stuff of that moment i felt this internal rising up energy inside of me when i was like you know what you are right you are right that is who i am that is who i can be and because of that i took myself to the university a couple cities over and i finished my degree with a 4.0 and that was a result Of that five-minute moment where she saw me, she spoke into me, and she resurrected something inside of me that I didn't even know was there. A few years later, I have a friend, her name is Julie, she shows up on my doorstep, actually, I was wearing my pajamas, I remember, and she said, hey, I want you to lead this team, this big, huge thing that we're doing and I know you don't have all of the experience that we ask people in this position to have, but I want you to take on this role because here's what I see in you. This and this and this. I mean, she's just like rapid fire, like shooting out all these compliments, specific, no hesitation, right there on my doorstep in my pajamas. And do you ever, do you ever have a hug that lasts a little too long? You know, when you're like, you're in the embrace and then you're like, that's good pat 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 and they're like not letting go and you're like you know a little awkward a little awkward that was that moment where she was just rapid fire speaking one thing into me that she saw after another and I was going this feels really uncomfortable but I had the same response in that moment that I did with Lisa where I was like that is me shoot I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be the best dang team leader this team has ever had and I was riding that energy for the next four months of that very rigorous process have you ever had someone see you in that way I mean maybe it was at your best moments maybe it was at your worst but they spoke to something inside of you that reminded you who you are or who you are meant to be And maybe some of you can't think of a single person. Maybe the voices that have spoken to you might unfortunately have been so caught up in the worst parts of themselves that they they didn't know how to get past those things to speak life into another. Maybe they didn't have someone who was calling out the best in them. And so they passed on the only way of speaking that they knew. And maybe they just perpetuated this legacy of curses that have likely followed their line for generations. Or least best case scenario, they did see the greatness in you, but you didn't have a clue because they just didn't know how to express it. Maybe you could really use a voice right now, speaking into the best parts of you, but that you yourself might not have fully tapped into, but you you hope are there, you think are there, and you just wish somebody cared enough to point it out. There is a woman named Abigail in the scriptures, and this woman's my personal hero now. Her story is one whole chapter in the Bible, and that's about it. And she altered the legacy of what would have been uh, what would become one of the most influential figures of all time. And she altered her family's entire legacy, and she left behind an unbelievable mark on this earth. And she did it in a five-minute conversation where she spoke to the best in someone. And so we're going to dive into her story in First Samuel when she was married to this real knuckle-headed guy named Nabal. It's a very unfortunate name. And at this moment in history, so the famous David, you know, David, Goliath, David, he's not yet king. And so David and 600 of his men are just wandering from place to place at this point because they're fleeing from the actual king. You guys remember this from a couple series ago Um, because the king wanted David dead, okay? So David and his men take it upon themselves to watch over this very wealthy man, Nabal's servants, as they're doing all this work out in the fields. And so what would have been very customary at the time, David's men asked Nabal to share a little food in return, okay? So Nabal, he was known as cruel and a bully, and he flat out refuses to give a scrap of food to David and his men. So this enrages David. So a servant of Abigail's, remember Abigail's married to the the dude, Nabal. Abigail's servant races to her and says, you need to do something about this quick. So that's where we pick up. That's the story background. And we're going to pick up 1 Samuel 25, starting in verse 18. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five sias of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, Go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband to ball. And as she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless all of my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing was missing and he has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, speaking in third person here, be it ever so severely if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. This is a a massacre about to take place. So this is a life-defining moment for Abigail. She had no time to think only to act and up until now she was known so she was known in the scriptures as a, as a beautiful and intelligent woman not a bad way to be remembered but her husband Nabal he was known as this cruel and mean wicked man and I can all but guarantee you that her marriage was a nightmare okay I can uh, pretty much all but guarantee you that okay so have you ever spent an experience period of time with someone who is just so negative like it just oozes out of them it just is second nature they're just ah oh, the, the the vitriol the the condescension the sarcasm the gossip the judgment that just comes streaming out of them naturally and then you walk out of them out of there feeling grimy or or worse you just you just stepped right in and participated in it with him right as for whatever reason or another looking down on others or or maybe you took on their perspective over time and that started to look like what you thought about yourself the way it saw yourself and so then you started judging others out of that same lens because of the constant influence of this person in your world and suddenly maybe that bully Or authority figure that has haunted you from a few years past and the things that they said or that they did to you all of a sudden sound like your voice to yourself that you have now taken on the role of bully that has shaped informed who you are or maybe hey maybe you're the Nabal person you know and you just don't see a way out okay but we don't know what Abigail might have endured during her time married to Nabal We don't know exactly about that. But what we do know is that she did not choose to relate to herself and her circumstances of being married to this cruel husband as a victim when her moment came to be able to step into that space. And instead, all the other voices were silenced over the one that led her to take a massive risk that would shape not only her legacy, but her entire families and the legend of a king to come. Whose voice have you allowed to seep in and define the kind of legacy that you have and that you can speak into or not speak into when it comes to others? Because that voice was a negative influence in your life. Who, who spoke from the worst parts of themselves because they didn't know any other way. And then you just naturally took those things on as if they were capital T true in your life today. And now that influences how you think you can speak into other people's lives or not. We don't have to be victim to the lie that we don't have the ability or the voice or the gift to be able to speak and elevate another person's life because of what's been spoken over us. I don't care what circumstances you're in. I don't care who's spoken over you. You have the power and the ability to bring life. And no one can take that away from you regardless of what your origin story is. Now, let's pick back up with Abigail's story. Yes. Yes. When Abigail saw David, she quickly... This is verse 23. She quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I didn't see the men my Lord sent. And now... My Lord. Okay, we've got Lord, lowercase l, David. Lord, capital L, God. Got it? All right. All right. So, please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man who said that. Blah, blah, blah. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming you be like my Lord Nabal, be like Nabal and let this gift, which your servant has brought to my Lord, be given to the men who follow you. Now, please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles and no wrongdoing can be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God, but the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord everything he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you— If you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male, including her son, belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Okay, listen. Abigail opened her eyes in bed that morning with all of the normal, crowded, self-consumed thoughts that we all live in day to day. She is not an exception. And she had one instant To decide who she wanted to be in that moment and she might have thought who the heck am i to speak to the future king but that kind of response of deciding that she had something to give that didn't come out of some void a complete void despite whatever circumstances that she would have had as a woman despite whatever cruel uh, existence. she lived as a wife of Nabal. Despite any curses that might have been spoken over her in her days or from the worst parts of others, she knew she had something to give. And I think that the out we give ourselves today at times to not speak life into others sounds like this. That's, that's for someone else to say out loud. Yep, yep. Or... don't have to say it people should know look at all the things I do for them right moms or one of my favorites I just don't know how I don't know how I don't know the right words what if I say the wrong what if I say the wrong words once again who is that actually about ourselves yes right it's not actually about the other person It's totally a thing about ourselves or more commonly it just doesn't occur to us that we have the power within us to transform a life in a five-minute conversation especially if we're perpetually looking for someone to speak into us but we are unwilling to do it for others so for those of us who I think are most desperate for someone to speak into us this is this is what I imagine is that okay if I'm in a pit I'm in a pit with someone and I'm thinking I can't speak into this guy because I'm in the pit with him together and that is if you even notice the guy next to you because you're so absorbed with all of your thoughts about what's going on for you or your eyes are locked up at the top of that pit watching those feet walk by hoping waiting wishing wanting who is going to speak into me who actually cares enough about me and they just keep on going by and maybe you're doing your life in the pit you've got a smile on your face and you're just going about your day but you are desperate for someone to speak into you and you're so consumed with your own thoughts you don't even see the person who is next to you and then one day you're like I'm going to do whatever it takes to get attention the bad, the good, the ugly, the addictions, the whatever it is, and I'm gonna get some attention, and maybe, and then people look at you for a moment. Maybe you get a glance. Maybe you live off that for a day, two days, three days, a week, but then life moves on, and they keep walking, and you keep walking, these feet go by, and you're like, when is someone gonna see me? And then someone else is consumed with their own life, their own thoughts, their own thinking, and then they fall into the pit too. And you're like, oh, well, I know I should feel bad, but man, I'm so glad someone else is in the pit again with me. And you're like, well, maybe this guy, maybe this guy will speak to me because he gets me. He knows me. But you know what? That guy is just as consumed with his own thoughts and his lo- own life, waiting for someone to speak into him just as much as you were five minutes ago. And you have a whole heap of people in that pit with you before too long, but you are still waiting. You are still waiting longing for someone to speak into you until one day maybe maybe you're like hey maybe even me no 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 maybe especially me maybe I have something to give maybe and then you lock eyes with that person next to you you look into them and you actually see them you might have been doing life with this person for years but then you look over and you actually see them and you speak into them and you know what you didn't get anything in return but you felt a lot taller and then you do it with the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and before you know it people are speaking into your life because that's the invitation you've now become and before you know it your life is elevated And you're no longer in that pit and then you're running around and you're like trying to pull other people out of pits you're like going to every pit you can and you're like hey grab my hand i see you come out and you realize that you have this magical ability to speak into people's lives that is a god-given gift that no one no one can take away from you not anything that's been said to you or over you i don't care what your money your bank account says or what addiction you live in you have the power to speak into someone's life by the grace of god who will help you through that you will elevate people's lives and no one no one can take that from you no one so my girl abigail she uh She flips this narrative and energy like some kind of like interpersonal ninja genius, right? Okay, so she speaks to the very best parts of David. Oh, Lord. She says to David, you've got a great future because you fight on behalf of the Lord. That's what she spoke into him. There is no wrongdoing to be found in you. Don't lie to people. But this is my paraphrasing, okay? She says, hey, David, I know your life is in danger. I know, I know, I get it. But you know what? It's going to be okay because God is going to keep you safe. And get this, she is speaking to the best parts of David, but she switches gears. She's crafty, man. She's brilliant. She shifts into the confidence of the living God that David has named and lived by and and walked according to. And she starts speaking from the confidence that God has already Prove to him that she knows that he knows. And this is what she said. David, remember, God made a promise to you, and everyone knows it. You will one day be king of Israel. God has not failed you yet, and he he is going to be your reason for success. And the clarity of mind it takes for Abigail to speak into this terrifying moment is staggering so how was she able to be that kind of person in that moment and how are we how are we able to be that kind of person in each moment that that's called for she knew the lord i'm i'm convinced that she knew the lord because when she spoke to david not only as one who knew he followed his god she spoke as one who knew god personally she knew God's character she knew his commitment to his promises and she knew he would be faithful to David because God had already been faithful to her she would have seen herself in God's eyes because she had a personal connection and she knew who she was by his voice now we may not have a potential massacre on our hands that we are called to speak to Uh, in any any given moment but we have daily opportunities to transform a life in five minutes all the time the boss who is reacting to their circumstances the knuckleheaded kid that you love to pieces but you just want to wring his neck all the time because of the decisions they make you know the roommate who who can't seem to get their head above water or or the friend with a vision who would jump at the chance to like have one person in their corner who was like cheering them on or the coworker who would thrive if they just had an acknowledgement of the efforts that they brought to the table. In the middle of our long days with a lot of crowded thoughts, we are given countless opportunities to see the best in each other and to care enough and the instant that is needed to reach through the muck of lies and like that tangled web of who we've decided to be and say hey i see you i see you and this is what i know to be true about you regardless of whether they see it in themselves or not. You know the phrase, um, someone only a mother could love? (laughs) Man, Jesus, he was amazing. He was amazing at this. The woman caught in adultery that the religious leaders wanted to stone, and he said, no, I see you. I see you, and I call out the best in you. Now go and live your life as someone who is free. Zacchaeus, I know we may come into this funny little short guy from children's songs, but this guy was a hated man. He was this terrible, wretched, greedy, corrupt guy that Jesus said, Hey, Zacchaeus, I see you up in that tree. I'm going to have dinner with you at your house tonight. And what was the result? Zacchaeus was filled with freedom and joy and he wanted to give half his money away and then some. What about the thief who hung on the cross next to Jesus, who in his final hours, Jesus spoke into him the first words of hope that he had ever heard his whole life. I mean, if you could live your whole life and it was all a four letter word, And then in your final hour, you got Jesus speaking into you, that kind of hope, sign me up, right? And we got a lifetime of that, that Jesus is offering us. He looked into the eyes of his friends and his disciples and he took the time to say, look, this whole movement, the movement that I'm creating here, you're gonna do bigger things and it's gonna rest on you because you know what, I'll be with you, but you got this because I believe in you. And that belief, you know, that he actually believes in them, but he believes in you. He is ready to speak into your life now, this moment, this hour, to say, this is what I see in you, and it is beautiful, and it is good, and is not the things that you tell yourself. I mean, that is an in-your-face, scary, intimate, hug-you-a-little-longer-than-comfortable kind of love And that is an I see you and I dare you to test the bounds of my love because there is none. There is nothing you can do when I won't be calling your name and asking to pull you out of that pit. We are living in a time where generations of young people are desperate to be seen but terrified to be known. And... You know, look, not every conversation will change a life, but every conversation could change a life. And there's possibility in that always because God, because God is faithful. Your spouse, your friends, your kids, your co-workers, the person sitting right behind you in this very room, every person around you is God's provision for you to practice that bold intimacy. And this is not a mom conversation or a woman, this is a human conversation. And for those of you who have decided to surrender your life to Jesus's ways, we hear his voice and we are shaped and formed and our identity is found in him. And no matter what circumstance, no matter who's against you, no matter what's been spoken over you, for those who don't yet know that voice of Jesus or you've lost it. Or it's so distant, he is always ready to speak to you again. He's always ready to look you in the eyes. And you know what, when he looks you in the eyes, you don't have to look away. You can lock eyes with him and you can stand in the confidence and authority that he gives us simply by coming to him and to surrendering to the voice that will shape your life more beautifully, I guarantee, than anything and anyone has ever done prior. So let's bow our head. Close your eyes for a moment. And if you are someone who has not yet heard that voice, you need that voice in Jesus. You want that voice. You know that there's something inside of you that's so beautiful and so good, but you also know that it's not real until someone speaks to it, and Jesus wants to speak to that part of you today, that part deep inside of you that says, hey, I've got this. Let me pull you out. I will now shoulder the burdens that you carry. I will now take on the sin that we continually step our foot in, and I will be the voice that shapes and molds and opens up a future you never knew possible. If that is you, I'm asking for you to be courageous in this moment and say, I need that voice. I need Jesus. Maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time where you're like, hey, I want to declare with my hand raised that there is something else available and that Jesus is it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you are good and always speaking. And for all of us in this room, listening to my voice, Lord God, I ask that you would not only elevate our chins, take our chins, prop our chins up, lock our eyes with you, give us an unashamed, unabashed, foolish, if we're gonna use the word foolish like Nabal, we're gonna use it the other way, foolish, giddiness with joy, children, you know, children's heart kind of like joy that comes up when we see you and realize that, oh, you've been speaking into us this whole time. Wake up that part of us. Make us alive in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.